0: Would you pray with me? Loving God, we give You thanks for gathering us together as Your people. For inspiring within us a desire to hear Your voice and seek Your guidance. For surrounding us with people who we might seek to speak wisdom into our lives and a desire to live wisely so that we might bring You glory. Help us in our worship this day by the presence of Your Spirit so that we might know You hear you and be transformed in your presence so that all who come in contact with us from day to day may see your face in us we ask this all in the name of Jesus Christ our lord and savior amen you know that those who are supposed to rule over the gentiles lord over the over to rule over the gentiles lord over them Their great men exercise authority over them, but shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man also came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many." Our second scripture for today comes from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 12, verses 1 to 17, and then 25 to 29. Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had come to Shechem to make him king. When Jeroboam's son of ne- Nebat heard of it, for he was still in Egypt, where he had fled from King Solomon, then Jeroboam returned from Egypt, and they sent and called him. And Jeroboam and all the assembly of Israel came and said to Rehoboam, Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke that he placed on us, and we will serve you. He said to them, Go away for three days, then come back again to me. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the older men who had attended his father Solomon while he was still alive saying, How do you advise me to answer this people? They answered him, If you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. But he disregarded the advice that the older men gave him and consulted with the young men who had grown up with him and now attended him. He said to them, What do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, Lighten the yoke that your father put on us. The young men who had grown up with him said to him, Thus you should say to this people who spoke to you, Your father made our heavy yoke heavy. Thus you should say to his people who spoke to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you must lighten it for us. Thus you should say to them, My little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Now whereas my father laid on you a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had said, Come to me again the third day. The king answered the people harshly. He disregarded the advice that the older men had given him and spoke to them according to the advice of the young men. My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen to the people, because it was a turn of affairs brought about by the Lord, that he, may, that he might fulfill his word, which the Lord had spoken to Ahijah the Shelonite, and Jeroboam's son Nebet. When all of Israel saw that the king would not listen to them, the people answered the king, What share do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel. Look now to your own house, O David. So Israel went away to their tents. But Rehoboam reigned over the Israelites who were living in the towns of Judah. Then we continue in verse 25. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and resided there. He went from there and built Penuel. Then Jeroboam said to himself, Now the kingdom may well revert to the house of David, if this people continues to go up to offer sacrifices in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem. The heart of this people will turn against against their master, King Rehoboam of Judah. They will kill me and return to King Rehoboam of Judah. So the king took counsel and made two calves of gold. He said to the people, You have gone up to Jerusalem long enough. Here are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. He set one in Bethel, and he put the other in Dan. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we did jump forward. We skipped over most of David's reign, all of Solomon's reign, and now we are looking at the son of Solomon who is about ready to take up rule. We're not looking at anything more than about, uh, and no more than 80 years at this point. From when we talked last week, where David had brought the kingdoms, the northern and southern kingdom back together, where they had come to David and said, we are of one flesh, we are together, we are one people, and you are our king. It does not take long to get to the point where we are today, where the kingdom becomes divided yet again. But it didn't have to be that way, is what we see. How many times have you had to make a decision in your life, and you could have gone either way, and you sought counsel from people that you knew. There was those trusted people that maybe you knew, who guided you as a, uh, when you were younger, who guided you and gave you good advice. And then there were people that told you perhaps what you wanted to hear, who wanted to fluff you up and so that make you feel better about yourself. And you had to choose between which group you were going to listen to. Do you go with the people who offered you wise counsel in the past? The people who have been around for a while? The people that you know you can trust? Or do you go with the people like you? I mean, that's ultimately what... uh, Rehoboam's decision was the people he grew up with, the people who were like him, the people who he associated with and had similar ideas and similar ways of thinking, or he could have listened to the wise elders that helped Solomon in his reign. And in that moment, in that choice, the fate of the kingdom was wrapped. I think if they had, he had gone the other way, the kingdom would have remained United. And everything that followed would have gone a heck of a lot better. Just this past Wednesday at our, uh, our Lunch and Learn, I brought a board game that I have called Kings of Israel. It's one where you work together and, and you're trying to uh, keep sin out of the land of Israel. But on the left-hand side, there's a list of all of the kings of Israel. And the gold-colored bars were relatively good kings. David, Solomon. And then all of the red bars were the ones that really messed up. And anyone that saw that map, that saw that game, you get a quick overview that the the history of the kings do not go well for Israel. And it doesn't take long, all because of this division. The people had come to Rehoboam and said, Lighten our yoke. Take away the oppression that your father put on us, all of the hard work that they demanded, and the discipline of whips. Do that and we will serve you. And you will be our king. It's not a bad ask. It's not that hard of a thing to imagine that a people suffering oppression would want to be free of that oppression. And the advice that the elders give him is pretty sound, and we wonder why he would choose the other. lighten their yoke, and they will serve you forever. But he had to lower himself. The advice of the elders was, if you serve them and lighten their yoke, they will serve you forever. And there's the problem that we run into over and over again when having to choose between two things and choose between two directions is sometimes, more often than not, One Direction requires us to lessen ourselves, to lower ourselves in our eyes and in the eyes of others, and lift up someone or something else. And sometimes the other option, we don't have to do that. How many times do we regret not making the choice because we didn't want to look bad. We didn't want to come across as less. We didn't want to have to lower ourselves because we like looking good in people's eyes. We like the stature that it brings. We like to be king of whatever situation we happen to find ourselves And because we don't want to lower ourselves, because we don't want to do what Jesus in the first reading said today of becoming a servant, lowering ourselves for the sake of serving others, because we refuse to allow ourselves to be seen as less, we make the wrong choices. We make the choices that lift us up, that elevate us, that lift our names up when God is asking each and every one of us to lay our lives down for the sake of His glory. Christ seeks to live out of our lives and live through us in how we live and how we function and, and how we treat one another, to be shaped, to shape our lives by what Christ wants to do through us and in us rather than what we want to do. How many times have we asked God to bless what we are doing instead of asking God to show us what he's doing so that we can be a part of it? It's the same idea. I know it's not as extreme as subjugating an entire group of people and causing a kingdom to divide. But the task, the question is the same. Will you allow yourself to decrease so that God might increase? Or will you remain steadfast, saying, I am what's important. My desires, my will, my opinions, my future is what is most important. And I hope that God will bless that. What happens more often than not is we head down that path where we are glorified so far that we don't know how to return. We've put so much energy and time into doing what we want to do that it seems to turn back and try again feels like failure. We've given something up. We've lost something. When in reality, giving up something that is not working is not a sign of failure. Giving up something that used to work well, but doesn't seem to be anymore, is not a sign of failure. Now as a church, we have done some peeling backs of ministries and various things that we have done in the past. Things that used to work, that used to draw people in, that used to move people into a deeper relationship with God and worked well. And we felt good about those things working well. They made us feel good. They made us feel successful as a church. They made us uh, live out a glory day, so to speak. And now we have gone down that path so long trying to maintain those things, maintain those ministries that perhaps aren't doing what they once did, running ourselves ragged, trying to figure out how to make those things that used to work, work again? Or how do we resurrect what we once had even though it may not do what we want it to do anymore? Because it made us feel good. It made us feel like we were making a difference when we did them, and we long. For that desire to be a part of what God is doing. It's born out of that, I believe. And I, and I think that is good and true to be a part of what God is doing so that we can see transformation in our midst and celebrate what God is doing in it. But that comes from choosing and seeking after God. Lowering ourselves. Lowering our, removing our expectations of what God will do for us. And focus instead on what God is already doing in our midst. When we do that, when we transform our thinking, when we realize that it's not about what we want, and it's not about our desires for what God will do, but it's about what God desires that we will do, we realize that peeling away those things that don't work, that, that, that giving up of those things that used to work well but don't anymore, frees us up, To seek what God wants for us. Now you may be wondering, what's that have to do with my life now? This is the same for our individual lives. The more we focus on what makes us feel good, the more we focus on what used to work in our lives, the more that we try to recapture those things that used to lift us up, and make us feel important the less time that we have to move into those things that God wants us to do now. And when we refuse to move into those things, when we, we, we cling on to the things of the past, and we refuse to let them go, we're stuck. We're lost. And sometimes we hurt other people in the process. When we cling on to regrets, we cling on to pain, we cling on to those things that we are not yet ready to forgive. We cling on to those things that, that, that challenge us and hurt us and hold us captive. We don't experience the freedom that Christ offers and the fullness of life that He brings. Sometimes we honestly need to step back and let go. Sometimes we need to seek out that counsel and recognize what is coming from God and what is not. Jeroboam becomes king of the north in today's passage. And he sees some political machinations that if people always have to go back to Jerusalem to offer their worship, to offer their sacrifices, if people are always going back to the southern kingdom of Judah where Rehoboam is king, then eventually they're going to turn their hearts and their minds away from Israel, the, the Northern Kingdom, and focus exclusively and a uh, claim allegiance to the Southern King in Judah. And he sees these political machinations in his mind, saying, "If the people keep doing this, then I'm going. They're going to kill me, and it will all be for naught." And so he seeks counsel, again, we don't hear the the two stages of counsel, the two types of counsel that we heard for Rehoboam, but we hear in the Scripture that he sought counsel before moving forward with what he did, and then he decided to build two golden calves. Forgetting everything that happened with Aaron when he fashioned a golden calf that would cause when the people had worshipped it as the God of Israel... To make them wander in the wilderness until that generation was gone. So we see in these two passages a choice to be made. Do we lighten the people's burden or do we make it harder? Do I lessen myself as a servant so they might serve me or do I lift myself up to say, I am better than my father? And then we look at the other king in the same time period saying, what do I do when these people keep going back to a foreign kingdom to worship? And they turn against me. And they both seek counsel, but they both choose the wrong option. Rehoboam lifts himself up and says, I am greater than my father was, and I show that by being harsher to you than he ever was. And Jeroboam says, I will make two golden calves. These are the God, This is the God that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Both fail spectacularly. Because even when they sought counsel, they didn't listen wisely. And so who do we turn to? If we're talking about peeling things back, lowering ourselves so that God might do more, who are we talking to? Who are we checking our assumptions with? Who are we going to to say, which is the path that I should go? And what is good? And which one should I avoid? As teens, we tell our kids to make sure they surround themselves with good friends who will Propel them to living good lives, making good choices. We hope that for our children. We hope that for our grandchildren. Even if our kids are adults, we still hope that they will surround themselves with the right people to make the right choices. But who are you surrounding yourself by? Who do you go to? And how do you check their advice? In a few moments, we'll be singing our hymn of response, which is... um, we sang how firm a foundation about God's word being a strong foundation? We are going to sing, seek ye first the kingdom of God. How do we test what people are telling us we should do? And are we sure that we are making the right choices? Are we sure that we are following the right people? Because there are a lot of people in our world today telling you, you need to do this, you need to do that. This is the right path that is the right path and ultimately we need to decide for ourselves and we do that well by making sure we surround ourselves with other people who place Christ first who seek out the good who have lowered their themselves for the sake of God's glory and that we can do better This is our prayer for this day when we go out from this place and eventually uh, there are uh, hot dogs and chips and things like that and and coffee and drinks and various other things. When you gather around those tables, (laughs) these are the questions that you should think of. What might God be asking you to do? What might God be asking you to give up? What might God be asking you to make room for? When faced with two options, what might God be asking you to do? Who do you go to for advice? Where do you turn for guidance? Even in reading the scripture, who do you turn to to help you understand what God might be saying to it? And since we all make the wrong choice eventually, how far down that path do you go before you come back, before you turn around? These are the conversations that I hope you'll have throughout the week around these tables with one another as you grow together. This is my prayer that will guide us in that. Let us pray. Loving God, we give You thanks once again that You have called us to be Your people. That though we have made bad choices, though we have turned away from You so many times, though we may not fully understand who You are and how much You love us, You continue to call out to us Sending us Your Spirit so that we might hear Your voice and respond. Inviting us to love You more each day. Inviting us to choose You over ourselves more each day. So that we might live as Your blessed community here in Berwyn. And so that Your reach through us may extend in our community to those who are hurting through our nation and around the world so that our words and deeds may reflect Your goodness, Your mercy, and Your love, especially to those who desperately need it for themselves. We pray for those that we have lifted up this day. We lift up Marilyn. She may recover well from her surgery, but also as she faces a long road ahead. We pray for all those in our community who are sick in need of Your care those who are hurting, those who are grieving, those who are lonely, who feel broken and unloved, those struggling with addiction, and those caring for them. We pray for all of the people that passed through our our grounds yesterday, that whether they have a home church or they do not, may they have felt Your love through our actions. May You plant seeds of goodness and transformation in the lives that came so that wherever they may end up, they may know that you, they are beloved children and loved by You. Help us to seek Your will and guidance in our lives to listen to the right voices and what we should do as a church and how we should be Your people in our community. How we should share Your good news of forgiveness and transformation. That sin, loneliness, despair, and hate are not the only way that we need to live in this world. That there is a better way. A hopeful way. One that brings a fullness of life. Help us to see where You are already at work. And help us to join into that work that You are doing. Shape our lives through our prayers, through our worship, or our study of your words that we might see you and might we might learn to work for you and with you and not against you. There are so many paths that we can take in our lives, O oh God, and choosing can be incredibly difficult. And we become paralyzed often in the choice because we don't know where to go. So guide us, surround us with loved ones, with those who are wise in your counsel so that we might be able to turn to them and that we might be those people to someone else. That together we might grow and move on to perfection. That all of this is only made possible because of Your Spirit and Your work within us, around us, and through us. So if there's any way that we can be an answer to someone else's prayer, If any way that we can be Your hands and feet in a world that desperately needs to be served, if we must decrease so that You might increase, show us. We pray for our nation that seems so divided. Where brother turns against brother, sister against sister. When there is more senseless shootings and violence each day. When there are too many lives given up. Help us to see all of the options ahead of us To not dig in our heels on what we think should work or must work or shouldn't be done or can't be done. Help us to dream of the impossible and then show us the first step to take in that journey. For it is not enough to say that somebody should do this or somebody else should do that. But we ask You to show us what we should do. What we should say. Likewise, we pray for our world where there are sin and death destruction and war, terrorism, anger, hatred, division. Where there are people who are struggling to eat, who do not have health care, in a world that also has people who have way more than they could ever spend in their lifetime. We pray for those who are hurting. Those who face violence and persecution because of who they are, where they live, what they believe, the color of their skin, their gender, or who they love. We create division over di- after division, dividing who is right and who is wrong, who is good and who is evil, and too many people get caught in the crossfire. So help us to be Your people in the here and now. We ask this all in the name of Christ, who, when we, who taught us to pray so that when our words fail and we cannot give voice to the groanings of our hearts, in the glory forever. Amen. You have been gathered in this place by God's Spirit, not for the sake of ourselves, but so that we might be built up in Christ so that we might become servants to all, so that all may know, come to know who Jesus Christ is through our words and through our deeds, and so that I, they all may come to know how much He loves them. May you go from this place trusting in the One that gathered You. And now we pray the prayer that we pray each week. Send to us all those who feel unwanted and unloved in other places. And if they can't come to us, send us to them. And now you, may You go from this place in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, trusting in the One that has brought You here to guide You each day to share His good news and give Him glory. Amen.